What do you get when you mix baseball and football? <laughs> Base footballs? Uh, no. This is Bunts and Bruises. If it's the weekly hot topics in sports, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. And we're having fun. Your home for sports and entertainment. We're the best at rolling with the punches. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is Bunts and Bruises. And here's your host, Bars. Man, that just gets me pumped every time. Here we are, Bunts and Bruises. Welcome to our Friday edition. We never do many Friday episodes, but I figured, you know what? All season's been crazy. We're going to make Bunts and Bruises week this crazy. Just let, If we thought last week was big, this week was even bigger. You got signings left and right. You got more trades in the MLB. You got, I don't even know how many trades in the NFL. We're probably missing a trade to talk about in this episode. It's another one of those episodes where we're just playing catch up and trying to jam as much as we can, but we can't. But let's start this weekend good. We're going to make it work. We're going to go ahead and talk about Carlos Correa. He signed immediately after our show last week. We're going to talk about Trevor Story. He signed two days after that. We're going to talk about another trade that happened in the AL East. Then we're going to talk to Watson, Matt Ryan, Tyreek Hill. It's endless. It's a buffet. And, of course, you know, I only bring the best of the best. I had to bring my number one guy back, Jerg, the Iceman, Coney. He's going to break that down with me. And, of course, Friend of the show, now becoming a regular, Brizzy, Cat. let's just bring them right in. How are we doing today, fellas? I'm excited. I'm full of energy. I hope you guys are just as excited as I am because, like, it just, it's nonstop. It's nonstop. And St. Peter's plays tonight, too. Shout out to the Peacocks. We about to get this. Let's go. On National Peacock Day, by the way, James, but ha- happy to be back. It's been a little bit since I come back, so I'm excited. And, and let... He is a friend of the show, but I'm I'm almost willing to say I think I, I think Ants your new official co-host, brother. I think like he he's been a, he's been a man of consistency. I'm you willing know, to say man, he's the new guy. I've talked to his agents. There's been discussions behind doors. <laughs> we won't bring it out to the public yet, but you know there's an offer on the table. That's where I'll leave it. That's where I'll leave it. But other than that, Brink Cat, no tipper. How we doing? Doing great. Um, once again, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. With pretty boy Jerg right now, looking great with the haircut. <laughs> I'm loving the haircut. Um, Appreciate it. You got yours too, bro. I see. I know looking we looking clean. good out here, man. It's the pretty boy. It's the pretty boy Friday edition show, not including James, but you know my head look gorgeous. We're here. I don't care what you we're say. We're here. You. Bars, you have the episode title right there. <laughs> hey, boy show. What is happening? No, that's the episode <laughs> title because what is happening, fellas? Let's get right into it because there is just so much to talk about. We're going to talk immediately about the number one last superstar remaining in the MLB free agency. And that was Carlos Correa, who ended up signing with the Minnesota Twins, a three-year, $105 million contract, which it's essentially a one-year contract. And he gets to decide every year if he wants to get that extra $35 million. <laughs> That's crazy. I think it's insane. So first, Jerg, I want to get your thoughts on this. It's been a minute. Let me hear what you think. What first of all, what was the thinking behind this for the twins? Because they're kind of out, they're not even in contention. And they went for the big superstar guy. Usually I say it's just to sell tickets, but 
when you're given a contract like that, you're kind of showing a lot of commitment because God forbid he gets hurt this season, you're stuck right there, $105 million for three years. What do you think? So it was definitely out of nowhere. I think the way that you looked at the Twins offseason, they had made a couple trades where it looked like they understood that this was going to be a step back here for them. And after the disappointment that was last season, you didn't expect this kind of move from them. And especially just Minnesota in general. Whenever they've dealt out contracts like this, it tends to be to their own guys. And even then, they have lost their guys in the past. You think of, this is going in the way back machine, but David Ortiz when he left Minnesota, Johan Santana when he left Minnesota. Like, this is not a contract that you would think the Minnesota Twins would hand out. But I I look at it from both sides. I'll start with Minnesota. I I think, kind of like you said, they just wanted to bring a guy in that could help get interest in the team. I think... At the end of the day, Minnesota thinks that the AL Central is more wide open than what it seems. And it kind of is if you really look at the landscape of that division. Chicago, I think they got a little bit of soft season because they lost some of that starting pitching. That Let's be real here. When you look back at their as a whole last year, the over that pitching rotation was a massive reason as to why they did as good. And you started to see in the second half of the post-All-Star break when they start to go on a little bit. They were just barely above a 500 end of the season it was because the pitching wasn't as strong so I think they look at that I think they look at both Kansas City and Detroit who I think the three of us would agree are taking steps in their rebuilds Detroit more so than Casey but I think it's those two teams that are still weak and then Cleveland has a baseball team but we'll go to them because they just they're in this whole conversation I think the twins legitimately look at this uh division as like hey this is wide open and all you need to do is win your division and you're guaranteed a playoff spot and I think that's the way the Minnesota Twins are looking at it. And they think to themselves, hey, if a couple of our guys can just you know come out of nowhere and heat up, if our hitters are good, if Byron Buxton continues to be the all-star caliber outfielder we've seen him be, and if Carlos Correa could hit like the MVP caliber player we've seen him be in the past, then this is a great one-year investment for the Twins. Because like you said, James, real quick looking at Carlos Correa's side of things, I think he saw that the shortstop market was highly saturated this offseason. And he definitely took this deal because – if he goes year by year, he can assess the market within the next two off seasons and think like, oh, okay, I should, let me, let me opt out and I'm going to get my money right here while still almost, in his prime. Almost a la uh, Aaron Rodgers, basically. But I yeah. love that you brought that point up where it wasn't the free agent market. If you remember last week, Brinkett, we actually discussed that and you said it yourself that it wasn't the proper market for him. He came out at the wrong year because of how many stud shortstops there were just infielders period uh what do you think about this signing do you think that jerg made a great point because if you do look at the al central spot aside from the white Sox, who i know you're a huge fan of as well aside from your yankees uh twins don't got that much competition to be honest i mean yeah you have cleveland who they always get hot at the right time but also we have the expanded playoffs this season if i'm not wrong from the new cba Think we lost him. You there? Uh, we might have just lost him. I think we did. Here. <laughs> there, he is. there he is. We just got him. here. All right. Uh, yeah, I got a little bit cut off. Um, so my question to you was uh, you mentioned it last week about how he came at the wrong time. So do you think that's why he made sure this contract was like that? And do you think the twins did sign him to try and make this push? Because if you look realistically, uh, the White Sox are the only good team in that division, as Jerk said. Uh, you got Cleveland who likes to make their runs every now and then, but there's not a squad that really scares you there. Nah, I mean, that's actually a great point. Um, 
that's probably one of the worst divisions in baseball, and it's kind of been the last few years. And you've seen the example of it, especially um, in the COVID year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Guardians, who were the Cleveland Indians a few years ago, uh, they had one of the best records in the COVID season. And But it's because they just beat up on their own division every game. And then you've seen their real flaws uh, – come out in the postseason um but no i mean they're rebuilding kansas city's rebuilding i think it's a i act like i actually think it's a win-win for the twins because how i look at it is you have a chance to compete now and if you don't you could always trade him for prospects um you know like that's how i'm thinking of it so i think like if the um i i personally think that the twins either contend but realistically, they probably don't. They're probably not as that bad, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could always trade him for a crap load of prospects at the deadline. Uh, retamp that. I mean, retool that uh, farm system and whatnot. So um, I like it for them as a Yankee fan. I can't stand it because I'm gonna. Just, <laughs> I'm gonna just get to this. You know, Brian Cashman. I hope you're listening, Brian, because. I cannot believe that you literally took the contracts that the Twins didn't want, right? And they were able to get the player that us fan base. You know, I don't care if he cheated. I don't care. I don't care if he. I don't. I don't care what he does. If he plays good baseball, doesn't break the law, come here. Like I want you on 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 our team. I want you to bring that edge to the team. Everybody wanted him. Everybody wanted him. And the fact that we lost him because you traded and took back a washed-up Josh Donaldson in that $50 million to free up the space to make the Twins feel comfortable to even offer that contract, it wasn't even like an outrageous contract. It's 30 – it's not – you know, it's not like – I like all right, it's $35 million, I get it. And, you know, he has hurt a little bit, you know. Let's also take that into consideration, you know. But, I mean, you couldn't give him a one-year – like, if you love all these prospects in the farm system, you couldn't give him the same contract? The same contract. And and even if he opts in, he's Carlos Guerrero. Trade him. Get more prospects. Like, I, I just don't get it. So, You know, I actually love that fact that you brought up uh, that, you know, they signed them for hopefully just to trade them towards the end of the season and gather as much assets as they can. Uh, maybe that is the move they pulled. If you really think about it, he was in the free market for God knows how he was out there way too long, longer than he should have been. And maybe the twins just saw an opportunity. Like you said, like, that's a great point, man. They, that trade just freed up the cash. They thought it was like, well, if no one's going to sign them, let's sign them. And then someone's going to come begging for him later. That's just my, could the twins be doing something smart? It might be the most genius thing they've done in the past couple seasons if it actually all works out. That could be it because Correa did say in an interview that Minnesota didn't even approach him before the lockout happened. This was strictly after the lockout was resolved. That was the first contact between him and his twins. There was nothing before that. Hey, so that's great point by you, no tipper. And he, he didn't get no tips about that either. That just came straight from the dome. But speaking about straight from the dome, one man is going to go from the Mile High City all the way now to Fenway and sing Sweet Caroline once he arrives. And that is the other shortstop, the last remaining one, Trevor Story. And he got the long-term contract. Not as much money, but it still breaks down to a good chunk of cash, of course. And that's six years, $140 million. Uh, another trade that I just know you're upset to see right now, Brinkat, because it seems like every other team in the AL East is getting bigger, better and better, no matter what. 
So he went to the Red Sox. Uh, first question I got is, do you think he's going to play second or you think he's going to play shortstop? Because they still got Bogarts there. He's definitely second. playing second, you think? So what do you think about this contract? Do you think they overpaid for him? Do you think this is a move they really even needed to do? Or once they saw Correa was gone, they figured, let's not help you guys out. Maybe you would have made a move for Trevor Story. Maybe you wouldn't. Who knows? But what do you think was the motive behind this move? The motive, I guess, I guess, you know, they they see him as a piece to the puzzle uh, to get a little bit better and contend. I'm sure they see what Toronto's doing and they want to upgrade the offense a little bit. Um, got the Rays. The Yankees are always good. But, like, honestly, I, I was a little surprised. I've been hearing it for a while. He's, you know, he's a really good player. I, I don't think it was that much of an overpay. I don't know what it comes out to. What, probably like 22 a mil? It was six for 140. 23 what, million. 23 mil. Change. He's a good player. He definitely makes them better, Um, like, for sure, obviously. Um, But if I'm being honest, I was a little surprised. As a Yankee fan, I'm not I'm not stressing it too much, but I do think he'll end up being a nice player for them and a nice addition. Um, he had de- I most definitely think he's at second base. Probably hits anywhere between two, which I doubt, and maybe like six. I'd say five or six. But um, I, I think it's a pretty nice pickup for the Red Sox. I just, I just, I don't want him to do anything over there. But the one thing that that I that I'm I'm actually really uh hoping for um is if you look at his splits, he's actually horrible on the road. And he's great at home. So I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping it's just that air in Colorado, just driving that ball a little bit further. And I'm just hoping that Fenway, that dirty Fenway air keeps the ball in the infield (laughs) and all that. Oh, jerk. Let me ask you now. That was a great point you just brought up about Trevor Story leaving Colorado. It's a point everyone always mentions. DJ LeMayhew for a year actually made it look like it might just be a myth. But then the second year, he he doesn't look so hot. I swear to God, I'm not just trying to make a Yankees jab. He was just the first Colorado player. That exactly came out his my head. third year. So put some oh, respect sorry. on me. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. It was after you paid him, though. But either way. <laughs> uh, Jerk, do you think this was the right move for them to make? Uh, considering one, you know, he's coming out from Colorado. So he always got to worry because the main thing about Trevor's story is he's a home run hitting shortstop. So do those become doubles now? And two, besides his injury history, is. Uh, me personally, I feel like the Red Sox need more pitching than another bat. I mean, of course, you'd love to see another bat, but is that like some other twenty-three million they could have allocated somewhere else? You think? It, it's definitely something interesting. I think. Remember, Boston was one of the two really surprised teams from last season. It was them and the Giants, one each in each league, that ended up really shocking us. The Giants having the best record uh, over the Dodgers in the NL and the AL, the Red Sox shocking the Tampa Bay Rays, remember, in in the playoffs, making it to the ALCS before they fell to the Houston Astros. I'm definitely with you. I think starting pitching could have been the thing, but at this point, I'd have to really look at the market and see what starting pitching was there and was Boston willing to make the – and and that's the thing, I think, at the end of the day, because Carlos Rodon, uh, I'm sure you guys talked about when he signed with the San Francisco Giants, he got 22 mil a year, I want to say, for two years or something along those lines, his contract. So you think about that versus now uh, what Story gets with his deal in Boston, uh, just about the same yearly average for a longer term. It's certainly interesting. Like, I don't think there's such a thing as too much hitting. I think if there's one thing that this league has taught us, I think there's there's plenty of, of uh, hitting that can be had. And I'm not surprised that Boston made a move like this, but I think pitching should have been the first and foremost thing on the mind for this club because – 
let's be real here. We we saw what happened when the pitching fell apart for them in the playoffs, in particular to Houston. Like mm-hmm. Houston's lineup just absolutely decimated Boston to end off the series. It, it was very close at the beginning, and then you saw when Houston's pitching just made less mistakes, just played that little bit better. That's what made the difference in that series. So I think Boston is going to kind of regret the idea that they didn't that they didn't make more of an investment there. But the signing in of, in and of itself, I don't think is necessarily bad. I do like Trevor Story. I know he's had the bad split, so it makes you worry. But at the same time, I think he's just that talent. I think he's still just a naturally talented guy. He's, he's won a couple silver sluggers in his career. Like shortstops in the NL, let's be real, there have been some pretty good shortstops. One guy who, you know, went over to the AL himself and Corey Seager. That's a guy that he had to beat out for some of those silver slugger awards. So I think it's a wait and see thing in in terms of home run per like. I, I think the baseline should still be for him if he does. I mean, you hope that the rest of the lineup can for Trevor for himself. Per, I think he's trying the fact that if he has a bad year, there's still so much home run hitting that have that. I think maybe for him, that's what he wanted to do because it's a good contract. I wouldn't be surprised if a report came out saying that there was a team that probably offered him more. Because I think there's always a team that's willing to offer a guy like that cash. But I think he just went to a very good situation for himself to be on a team that won games last year. And I think coming from Colorado, let's be real here, him, Arnado, Gray, like those boys, they, <laughs> they, just, they, just, they just want wins, bro. <laughs> so at the I end mean, of the day, I think that's what he went there for. I mean, man, it's like, yeah, they just want wins. Like, you got to ask, does Chris Bryant even know what he signed up for, man? Like, that. And that's seven years, too, you know? He signed up to be traded in three years. That's what he signed up for. (laughs) You got to hope, man. But speaking of trades, there was one trade that happened in the AL East, another trade that uh, was for another significant team that just keeps making moves in the Toronto Blue Jays. And they traded their slugger, Randall Grichuk. uh, You know, Jerick, double-check that. You know I'm terrible with the names. uh, To the Colorado Rockies, speaking of the Rockies, in exchange for Ramil Tapia. So with the Chris Bryant signing, Tapio became more of a fourth outfielder. He really kind of lost his positioning with that signing. So this was a move necessarily Colorado had to make once they signed him. Uh, And he's not a bad player at all. He actually had a career-high 20 stolen bases last year. He's 28 years old. Uh, He's Dominican. So, you know, they always hit great because he was hitting 273, hit six home runs and 50 RBI. So he's not really a power hitter. He didn't get uh, that benefit of the Colorado air. But... What he did have was a great contact bat. When he was hot, he was hot because he was batting like 340, 370. I'm sure you remember Brink Cat because he uh, was a constant add and drop in our fantasy league that Jerg hates that I mentioned every other episode, not even every other episode. It's every 10 minutes at this point. But regardless, uh, Ant, what do you think about this trade? Me personally, I feel like this is a guy who he didn't really cost much. Randall Gritchek, he's a decent player. He's nobody special, though. Uh, he's more of a power hitter, and Toronto clearly felt they had enough, so they added some speed and average. How do you feel? Because I thought Tapia is almost the perfect guy for the Yankees, really. He would have been a perfect uh, – yeah, he would have been the fourth outfielder, but with the way your guy's outfield is, he could have been like a more of a third than a fourth, you get me, like the way he would have rotated in. Yeah. Well, real quick, we like Brett Gardner on this side, all right? <laughs> we like Brett Gardner. Bring my boy Gardy back. But now, um, all jokes aside, I actually think it's one of those moves that's going to kind of fly underneath the radar. And I think it's going to be that move that maybe August, you look back and you're like, wow, that, 
that small trade right there really set them up because it's like you said, James. He's nice bat. He gets on base, and they and one thing about that Blue Jays team, they got guys who who just drive runners in. So anytime you can hit 270, 280, 300, and you got on base, and you got guys like Vlad and Springer, and just the whole lineup just goes on and on. I, I think it's a really nice um, addition for them, for sure. Um, they're just getting better and better and better. It's honestly getting pretty scary. Um, I I like it, though. I really do. You know, uh, the best thing about this trade, I think, is he's a player where he's obviously not going to be on the top of the uh, lineup unless you, he's leading off for you every once in a while. But he's not your starting leadoff, man. So he's towards the bottom. You can even bat him last, man. You get that double leadoff going. Some mm-hmm. old school baseball. I love that management. Uh, Jerk, you got any final comments you want to make about this trade that we might have missed? No, I think you guys said it best. I think Ramel Tapia is a certainly very talented player. I think in Colorado, again, this is another guy that's probably very happy that he ended up getting traded. And Grichuk's just like, dang it, Toronto was about to make a run this year. Why me? Why me? Um, but l- looking at it from Toronto's side, like, like you guys have said, this is a guy who plays some really good defense. He's going to be a, a valuable piece in the outfield there. He could swipe the bag bars. You said yourself, he stole like tw- uh, 20 stolen bases last season. Uh, get get some hits as well. He, ha- he hits a good bang. Like this is just like, this is an amazing player to come off the bench. And yeah. honestly, he can be an everyday player. But the fact that how talented Toronto is, we're saying you get a guy like this to come off the bench that he could hit potentially 270 for you, swipe bags, play decent, de- play some good defense. Like, th- this is an amazing deal. And I think you get a player like that for a guy like Randall Grichuk, which all due respect to him, good good player, everyday player. Like, th- this was a this was a smart move. This also, I believe, a money move as well. It saves a little bit, which like Toronto, you know, they got they got to save a little bit of cash here and there whenever they get the chance to. Because let's be real here, the the children of the '90s baseball players are all on that team, and all those boys are going to be do uh, some big money here within the next like three, four, five years. So any any penny pinching that they could start at this moment to do to end up uh, paying Vladi. Biggio and Bichette, and I'm using their last names on purpose just to confuse people. Like any money that they could save to to pay those kids in the future, you you got to do that, and you get a good player in the process. Like this, this is like a money ball move right here. Like this was smart. A player who can provide you some of the same at a cheaper price. That's a great move. Oh, for sure. And this is one of those moves where, like you said, if they actually do end up going on championship run, he's going to be one of those guys where if you're looking at a documentary 10 years from now, his name's going to keep popping up because he might not have been one of the stars, but he probably was one of the guys, the heart guy, the glue guy. He filled in the little pieces that were needed. But uh, that's all we got for MLB right now. That was the craziest uh, moves of the week. A bunch of other little minor moves, but we'll catch up on that. All the free agency moves right before the start of season. But speaking of start of season, the NFL start of season is almost there. But it's we still got the draft. But forget about the draft. There is so much to talk about. The draft is, yes, probably the biggest thing to talk about. But you would have thought that not a week ago. Here we are now. Biggest trade headlining this entire thing is the Deshaun Watson. He finally decided where he was going. The Deshaun Watson decision. Just a week ago, you heard me and Brinkat mentioning how we thought Deshaun Watson was either going to, I believe your number one was New Orleans. My number one was Atlanta, right? And our number three, and then vice versa for twos. And then three was Carolina because he said the Cleveland Browns were out of the competition. Then uh, it might have been literally like 12 hours later. I think it was the very next day. But regardless, couple days later, 
Cleveland's back in it, and they ended up winning the entire whole thing. Houston is trading Deshaun Watson in the 2024 sixth-round pick to Cleveland, and Cleveland is trading Houston the first round uh, 2022, the 2022 fourth round, 2023 first round, 2023 third round, and 2024 first and fourth. That's a lot of numbers. I got really quick lost with that. I'm not wearing my glasses, as you guys can see. But the biggest thing about that, aside from all the assets that they traded just to get to Sean Watson, they signed them to a five-year, $230 million contract. How much is the guaranteed money? Fully guaranteed for the largest fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. I was mind blown. My bet with our friend Ricky that ends in three years is now looking significantly better. I'm ecstatic through the roof. Uh, I think also the smartest thing, not even the smartest thing, just to show how much Cleveland wants Deshaun Watson to feel wanted. They made the first year base salary only $1 million. So signing bonus and everything hands in with $10 million, about something like that this year. But the main reason for that $1 million base salary is, is if there is any suspension for uh, the alleged charges still happening, uh, he still has to go through civil court. But even if those are all innocent, the NFL can still suspend them. Just, you know, bad image for the game and whatnot. Uh, but other than that, they decided to make that $1 million base salary just so the game checks he's missing for suspension is little to nothing, essentially. I'm just mind-blown by this whole situation. They still have Baker Mayfield now who's sitting in the corner crying with his arms crossed because no one wants him. <laughs> Jerk, what was your thoughts when you saw this breakdown? Because you were probably having to cut a whole VO. I remember, actually, you cut a VO for Chris Olav, you said. And then this happened. The Ohio State kid, yeah. That was Tyreek Hill, actually, I think. We'll talk about that later in the show. So what's your thoughts on this Watson trade? Um, honestly, my first thought was the idea. You, you got you got because I got two wrestling fans here with me as well. You remember uh in the invasion angle when WCW was just running in the ring and Stone Cold came out of nowhere, just stunned everybody in one of the greatest segments of all time. That was the Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers in the ring, and then Cleveland just came out there with the contract, just stunned them all and gave it to Deshaun. Um Nah, man, it was really out of nowhere. I think the funny part was that like, it was within 24 hours of the Devontae Adams trade as well. So that's two big names being traded within a 24-hour span of one another, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. I think, so the way to break it down, is just so, it's so complicated when you think of everything. So I just want to focus on the on-field perspective first and foremost with it. Um, like, because that's the simplest way to start. Obviously, this is an upgrade at quarterback. Baker, like... I've like a lot of people I've been up and down on Baker for a very long time. I think the pot shots that Cleveland is trying to send his way on the way out. It's, it's funny that they want to talk about how they wanted an adult in the room, but yet there was absolutely zero adults in the room that said, Hey Baker, you're injured. This is not good for you or us. Let's have you get the surgery now. But no, they're like, eh, play through it. Eh, ruin your career. We don't care. That's not a very adult move. And yet you're claiming you want an adult at, at quarterback. And now you're saying you want an adult at quarterback with all the off the field stuff he has like that. I mean, that's a Ben Roethlisberger type adult at quarterback. But is that really what you want now? Obviously, on the field, a massive upgrade Deshaun Watson at the peak of his powers when he's playing as a top five quarterback in this game. He's supremely talented, could sling it 50, 60 plus yards down the field. He can get 4000, uh, like 4500 passing yards with a bunch of scrubs on his team. He literally did that his last year in Houston. Um, sans DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, like. 
it it's so wild with this team to think about that we we kept <laughs> it's funny to say about the Browns, but it's like they were literally a quarterback away last season. They they were a quarterback away. A better quarterback would have had them in the playoffs, bar none. And maybe they could have gone on the Cincinnati run had they had it because they got the defense. They got Miles Garrett there. They got Ward in that that defensive back route. They got a good offensive line when they're not hurt. You know, um, they had a decent receiving core. Now the receiving core is hitting a little bit of a reset button. They pro- they're probably going to need to find a way to draft a guy uh, in the later rounds here because that receiving core it's it's looking a little bit a little bit thin right now. But at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson again he he played as good as he did. Now he has an Amari Cooper there. You know he's played with good receivers before. Donovan People Jones is a deep threat. There there's something there that when whenever Deshaun gets on the field, like they they can do something with. The off the field is where it gets tricky because, like you said, bars like they did him this favor of not just the contract, not just the guarantee, but like, hey, this first year, this base salary is only going to be one million because the when the NFL suspends you, it can only suspend you based off of base salary. That's where they take from. When it comes to bonuses, the team is the one that ultimately decides that. Remember Randy Gregory earlier in the offseason, how there were some issues with the bonuses. If had he gotten in a legal situation, Dallas could have uh, voided his bonuses, which apparently they like putting in a lot of their contracts. And only Dallas does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, really, hey, really with everyone about the they sign. Yeah, they, they, you got to do that with everyone they sign. But it, um, it's insane. Speaking of Dallas, let's look at the other Texas team that was involved in this trade. And how do you feel this trade works out for Houston? I mean, they got, what are we talking? One, two, three, four, five, six total picks out of this. You think this was enough for them to, uh, you know, fully reset? And besides even fully reset, do you think the front office currently in Houston is going to be the one to make these decisions? Not be the ones to make these decisions, but be the ones to make the right decisions. Um, well, first and foremost, I definitely think, you know, they really didn't have a, like, they didn't have a choice. They had to go and deal him. I think they got a, you know, you got, for what he's got going on off the field, which I don't really want to speak about. I just want to try and speak about on the field. Um, I think they got a nice little haul for him. Uh, if I'm being honest, uh, uh, I'm sorry. It was three ones, right? Was it two, uh, three was it two twos or three twos? Uh, three ones, uh, two fourths, and a third. Oh, the okay. Fourth is for this year. The third is for next year, and the other fourth is twenty twenty four. Listen, anytime you could get three ones for a guy who might not who might not even play this year, and he didn't play last year, the, I definitely, I definitely like it. Um, and so, uh, that's a team fault. that not to cut you off real quick, but the fourth is actually from Detroit, so that's basically like a sec a third round really because it's so high up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a roster that doesn't have a lot of talented players. You need to go and hit on those draft picks with those low cap numbers. You can improve that team really quickly, honestly. Just get a gap quarterback. You know, you like, are they going to be good in a year or two? Probably not. But if you hit on those picks, build up that culture, maybe find a quarterback who could throw the ball a little bit. I'm not a big Mills fan. I don't know how you guys feel. I was um, just about to ask, how do you feel? Do you think he's that bridge quarterback? Nah, I, or do I, you don't, think he, I don't. No, I definitely don't. I definitely think they're going to be bad again this year. Uh, they'll give him a fair shot again this year, see what he's got, probably move on a year or two after that. But, I mean, from the Texans' perspective, I feel like if you're a fan, I mean, I'm sure they didn't want to move on from Watson. You know, he's a great quarterback, throws for 4,500 yards in his sleep, no matter who's on his team, doesn't matter who's calling plays. Like, he, he – like – Deshaun Watson is legit, and that's why, like Jerg said, 
the Browns, like the Browns have literally been a quarterback away, at least in my opinion, too, for about a year or two. And now you just put him on that team and just changes everything. Like hashtag bring back juice. Bring back Landry. Actually, speaking about bringing back wide receivers, uh, it's rumored that OBJ coming out of his camp, he's not opposed to going back to Cleveland now that Watson is the quarterback. So, and the what biggest thing about this is I'm yeah, right. wondering how much, how different this offense is going to look this year. Because you got to figure, Kevin Stefanski, he got hired strictly because he's an offensive mind. He took, I believe it was Case Keenum, right? He made Case Keenum take him all the way to the NFC Championship. He was part of that Vikings team. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he was right. He was on that coaching staff, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you give him a good quarterback, which he hasn't had at all during his time in the Browns. Sorry, I was a Baker Mayfield fan, but now I got to admit, he's just not it. Even with, although he was injured last year. But I think that this offense is going to look completely, it's not even going to look like anything anything remotely like last year because it was an offense heavily led by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and uh, sprinkling a little Dearness Johnson, who is a great third string running back to have in your pocket, by the way. I think this offense is going to look insane now with Mari Cooper, Watson. Now, they still got David Njoku, but uh, if you add OBJ or even just any mediocre wide receiver, it's going to look insane. Uh, but the biggest thing about this, I think, is – Houston, aside from getting a full reset, they didn't want to take Baker, I think. That's the craziest part about this. Like, Brick had said, Davis Mills isn't that good. Like, I mean, he has a lot of heart. I like the guy. I've seen him play. You respect the game. But, like, he's a good backup. That's what you see from the film. That's what it tells you. He's a bad starter. He's a good backup. That's just how it works in the NFL. But, like, you have a known starter who has – on an expiring contract, Houston has the cash space, and he's on an expiring contract. And they just said, "We're good. Just throw in another fourth, and we're good." <laughs> so it's and it's just insane, man. But besides uh, Baker Mayfield, he wasn't the only quarterback who was upset, and uh, just Deshaun Watson trade cause a ruckus amongst the franchise. The other quarterback who was upset and actually ended up leaving his franchise because he's actually good and won an MVP, almost had a Super Bowl, but. You know, is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan got traded to the Indianapolis Colts, which everyone saw happening low key because once uh, the Watson Atlanta trades happened, you heard Matt Ryan wasn't happy. You figured he was going to get traded, and the Colts were just the perfect fit for him. Anyone who had a guess would have put their money down on the Colts. Uh, they only traded a third rounder, so it wasn't bad. I'm pretty sure it's a third rounder that they gained from a trade as well. So and uh, the main reason that this trade's happening is because Atlanta is taking a forty million and a half dead cap hit. Uh, for our casual fans, that is just money they can't spend because technically they spent it. it. It makes no sense in the NFL. Everyone wonders why it's a thing, but it's a thing. Apparently, you know, it's just money that you meant to spend, but you're not spending, so you can't spend it. It makes no sense. But uh, the good thing about that is Indy changed Matt Ryan's contract and fully guaranteed his last two years of uh, 53, essentially 54 million remaining. So that busts down to about 27 million per year. Uh, I think this was a great trade for everyone all around. Atlanta screwed this up royally, actually, though, because they should have been shopping Matt Ryan way before this whole Deshaun Watson sweepstakes happened because the package they would have got for Matt Ryan would definitely have been more than a third round pick. Jerk. How do you think, or where do you think Matt Ryan could have ended up 
due to this royal fumble from Atlanta, who had no business in even trying to be in the Watson sweepstakes. I, th- I think all the signs were pointing ultimately to Indy. I think even if they had actually worked everything out beforehand, because I think you think Indy making the move of getting rid of Carson Wentz, that leaves a hole open for a quarterback. And I think from all intents and purposes, what I understand, they just didn't like what the asking price was going to be for Jimmy G. I think even if Atlanta had tried to work this out beforehand, I'm sorry, I just don't see a first-round pick for Matt Ryan with the salary that they – yes, Atlanta's taking the dead cap hit, but the salary that Indy would still have to take on. I think it, you maybe could have gotten a second. Maybe it could have been something similar to the Carson Wentz deal where they could have gotten a second and a third, maybe like another third or a fourth in there or something along those lines. Maybe a condition or two on those picks. Who knows? Like, it, it would have been better, but it still wouldn't have been like anything eye-popping in regards to that. I think ultimately Matt Ryan's destiny here and destiny, it cannot be avoided, James. It can, it just cannot be. I think he it was destined for him to become a cult this offseason, all things considered. Because I, I don't think they would have shipped him to Seattle. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for me. I think a, a younger quarterback makes way more sense for the what Seattle, the position Seattle's in. Maybe San Francisco, but again, that's kind of a team where I don't think they want to make that big of an investment at quarterback right now, even if it's still keeping a guy in front of Trey Lance if they think he needs another year, which I guess for all intents and purposes, he must because they still have Jimmy G there. And literally everyone, including Jimmy G himself, believed that this was it for him. So it's a really weird situation in San Francisco there. Uh, but ultimately, I think it, w- it was meant to be him being an Indianapolis cult. And hey, it just ends up working out that way. And you look at the situation there, it's, it's a good defense. I think that defense still needs a little bit of reworking on it. It's a, an incredible running game. He's got one of the top four or five running backs in the game. They make like one or two additions at pass catcher on that team. I, I think I think Indy has a real chance. I mean, I'm going to be cheering for them against Tennessee next season. I can guarantee you that. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you know we're the biggest Tennessee fans on this network. Uh, Brinkat, let me ask you, do you think this move was enough to – make them jump over Tennessee or even uh, enough to combat the, I don't even know what you want to call them, the fully funded, bankrupting Jacksonville Jaguars because they're just paying everyone, whether they're the right people or not. It's just it's criminal what they're doing over there. But who knows? Maybe all their signings help them out like the Patriots, and they actually do take that next step with a good coach or a decent coach who ended up playing a Super Bowl. Uh, do you think that Matt Ryan is – enough to give them that extra step and win the division? Um, I do. Yes, I do. I think um, this is the best quarterback that Frank Reich's had um, in the last whatever years, maybe since Carson Wentz had that great 2017, 2018 year um, before he tore his ACL. Also, um, you know, I like Matt Ryan a lot, too. I, I think he's a really good QB. Like Jerg said, he's got a good defense now. The pass catchers, a little bit of a work in progress. Wish he had another weapon or so, but Jonathan Taylor, that run game kind of reminds me of when uh, he had a young Freeman and a young Tevin Coleman with the Falcons, and that's when he was at his best. He didn't have to do way too much. Just don't turn the ball over, hand the ball off, play good defense, and he will give you a shot to win. I've, I've, I love Matt Ryan. I really do. I, I, I actually still think he's really underrated. I think people look at his stats from last year. Who was he throwing the ball to? He had no Jones. He had no Ridley for, like, the whole season. You know, I, I think he had a really good year last year. Like, yeah, he's old. He's a pocket guy. You know, I think he's a good – he's a real good QB now on a good line with a stud at running back, good defense, great offensive mind. I think the Titans haven't really improved that much. I'm not a big Titans guy. I'm not a big Tannehill guy. 
Um, you know, I'm not, I just, I definitely think the Colts should have been in to playoffs last year, but you know, wins choked. Um, and I don't think Matt Ryan makes that mistake. He's a seasoned vet. I just, I really like the move a lot and I kind of seen it coming the whole way. And, um, as a Colts fan, I, you know, I gotta be excited. I know this is, if I'm not mistaken, the sixth or seventh new quarterback in a row yeah. on uh, opening week, which is yep. mind-boggling, actually. It's insane, man. But, no, I think this is by far the best quarterback they've had since uh, Luck. And, you know, I'm you know I'm just looking forward to what they can do because I just don't see him having to be that guy like he was in Atlanta throwing the ball 600 times a year, you know? So I, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Oh, 100%. I mean, his touchdowns were low last year. There were 20. But if you look two years before that, he threw 26. And that's still with some bad offenses. He was still hitting the 4,000 mark, almost hitting 4,500 yards. Uh, that was Julio like Jones said. in that 26 touchdown season as well. Exactly. Like, dude, that, that's been hurt the last couple seasons, and that started in Atlanta. A lot of people forget. Yep. Exactly. I mean, he's uh, – Matty Ice has been one of the most underrated quarterbacks throughout his entire career. He was never a top five guy except his MVP year, but he was always right out there. It was yeah. like sometimes he could be top five, like right there at fifth. Other times he was five through seven at any given week. And he's shown you he, there's a reason his name Matty Ice. He has the comebacks. But like you said, he just he hasn't been provided the right defense for God knows how many years. He hasn't been provided enough offensive weapons anymore. And he is getting old, so he can't throw 40 times a game like he's being demanded to. You drop that number down to around low 30s, high 20s, you're going to see a completely different quarterback, yeah. and I think you're going to see a great Matt Ryan. Don't be surprised if that arm power all of a sudden pops right back up. But, a, a point that uh, Brinkett brought up here, Real James, he mentioned how Ryan had Coleman and Freeman then. You essentially have that same – with Taylor and Naheem Hines, because Naheem Hines is that pass-catching running back where Matt Ryan could throw it to him three yards out and Hines can make and turn into a 15-yard play. Like, the, essentially, this is the same framework that he had in that MVP season. It's even yeah. better, uh, if I may. Besides, aside from receiver, which they might even sign Julio Jones. Darius Leonard is trying mm. to recruit Julio. Mm. So if that happens, you got Michael Pittman, Julio, um, Moaxi, uh, Mo Alley Cox, Mo thank Alley you, uh, <laughs> Moaxi. But regardless, you got some they could bring back T.Y. Him. Hilton too, by the way. Like, he's still free, and agent. they could bring back T.Y. If you got, I don't is care, Pascal still there too, yeah, he is still there, exactly. Like so, they got some weapons there on offense, they're gonna show up a lot more. It's just, it's just like that MVP year, it's just an upgrade, if I may. But aside from that, where we're talking about arm strength and a quarterback who doesn't have much arm strength or is rumored or is looking like he doesn't have much arm strength is Tua Tangavailoa. Did I get that, Jerk? Mm, you were close. Not I tried. You know what? My allergies, man. It's my sinuses. I'm trying my best here. But regardless, this man doesn't have the arm strength, supposedly, to hit his newest target in what was the biggest news of the week because it came out of not even left field. It came out of the Parking lot section B12. It was ridiculous where this came out of. And that is Tyreek Hill, who is now on the Miami Dolphins. Miami traded uh, their first round pick this year, which is the 29th overall. Their second round pick this year, which is the 50th overall. Fourth round pick this year. Fourth uh, next year and a sixth next year. And the Chiefs traded just Tyreek Hill. 
the biggest thing about this was literally there wasn't rumors or anything about this. It just happened in a matter of like two hours. It was rumor two hours, and then the trade happened in two hours. Well, that we knew, James. This uh, behind this was brewing ever since Devontae Adams' contract. Uh, exactly. You got to figure fair. it was. Speaking of the contract, the Dolphins did income to a four-year, $120 million extension with $72.2 million in guarantees. Which, speaking of Devontae Adams, now I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyreek Hill is now the highest-paid wide receiver in the league, correct? Yep, yep. All righty. So, uh, why do you think and, that he decided to go to Miami instead of the Jets? Because it was rumored that it was just the Miami and the Jets as the two contenders. The Chiefs accepted both trades. It was just up to Tyreek. And it was literally in that last of that two hour window that we knew of. It was in that last 30 minutes that it was like, yep, it's one or the other, which one? And then he decided to go Miami. Why do you believe that is? If I'm being brutally honest right now, state income tax. I mean, yeah, that's a. Uh, it's the pocket that. It's, I don't uh, blame him. Yeah. I mean, I, how can you? And not only that, aside from that, it's also he has his offseason home there. So yeah, no. forget that he's from Miami. Oh, no, yeah. And there was a tweet about this. I'm not going to say that this was behind his thinking, but it could be a huge part of it. Uh, Tyreek Hill is unvaxxed. And Florida, everyone knows, is strong against uh, anti-vaccine and all that. So aside from the fact that no income tax, your home's there, they have the same political beliefs as you, it just seems like that's exactly where you should go. But some might argue he should have went to the Jets because if you're in New York, Forget about the state income tax thing. You make that up almost tenfold from, you know, uh, branding, promotions, you know, whatever it is, because you're in New York. It's the market. It just the money comes with the territory. So what really makes you think aside from money? Was there aside from money? Was there any other reason that he might have picked Miami? I mean, like you said, he's got an offseason home over there. Um, he said in the press conference yesterday that. He's home now, so, you know, I'm sure he's got, like, some, like, family members and stuff over there. But, like, okay, I'm just going to be brutally honest again. Like, <laughs> who wants to go play for the Jets? Like, I'm just being honest. Like, look what happens when they – no, 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 no. I'm just being honest. Like, if you were Tyreek Hill, right, you two, you guys are stud receivers. Like, you've accomplished pretty much everything in your career that you've wanted to do. Now you just want the contract and you want to go and play somewhere where you could ha have fun and ball. Do you really want to go to the Jets? Like, I'm just like, like, I, I just, I just, I, you know, I, I think that's a real thing. I think players look at that. Like my Knicks, they're like, I I don't want to go to the Knicks. Like, you know I'm what I'm saying? You I, said I, don't it. I didn't want to be the one to break it to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, But it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like we all kind of have an idea of what Tua is right now at this point. You know what I'm saying? And for Zach um, on the Jets, more of an unknown where he might just take off this year. Like, you like you know what I'm saying? Like, you never know. He might be a stud. Tua looks like he's, he's like a mid-pack quarterback. You know, what I'm more interested to see is how they actually use him. Because they used if they use anything like they used Hill as Waddle, it's going to be a lot of short, shallow passes. And he's going to have to, you know, very different than what he's been accustomed to with the Chiefs. Um, but nah, I mean, listen, it's from Miami uh, to pocket the extra five, 10 million. I'm sure that played a little bit of a factor. Uh, the vaccine thing, which I did not know, I'm sure that also played a factor. Um, but I mean, he probably just looked at it and said, listen, they got Waddle. Um, they got a solid defense. He probably likes Tua. 
And the Jets, I feel like they're a little bit more of a work in progress, and he probably just went with Miami off of that. I love that you mentioned that Jets are a work in progress. Some people, uh, mostly Jets fans, I will say they are making some good moves. Everything, uh, their offer, I believe, it involved, and it, their offer didn't involve any And they of had the better offer, offer, in my opinion. They did. I believe it was two seconds, two thirds, and that might have been it, right? Something like that. I don't know, but it was all pretty nice. It, it, it was. It was it definitely a lot two better seconds. than two seconds were definitely in there. It was less picks, but the value of those picks were equal to the amount. Yeah, exactly. So, Jerk, let me ask you. Uh, you could say the Dolphins aren't as much a work in progress, but they did just fire he their head coach. You know, they have a new head coach, Mike McDaniels. We don't even know if this guy uh, is a good head coach. They very well could trend downwards just because bad coaching. But uh, from all rumors and everything heard around the league, this guy's offensive guru. He is just the born football, does nothing but talk football. God knows what else he would do if it wasn't for football. Who? Mike Jones. That's who. So, Jerk, <laughs> let me ask you, do you think it, any of that really had to take place with that? And is this the move that the Jets just they had to make? And now that they didn't make it, you kind of are wondering, are they going to be able to take that next step? So here, so first off, if I may, real quick to uh, accentuate the point that uh, Brinkat was making, not only who wants to play for the Jets, who the hell wants to play in that kind of weather with a team like the Jets? I'll play. I can deal with thirty degree weather if I'm on a 12-13 win team like Kansas City. Because let's be real, Kansas City, like it's not warm weather out there. But Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback. Travis Kelsey is my teammate. We gonna be a double digit win team. I'm not dealing with that same weather if I'm gonna get five six wins. I'm not. I'm not like. You're let's not get, let's keep it a hundred. So and even if, even if the Dolphins are only like an eight, nine, ten win team, it's like that South Florida weather. And let's be real. At the end of the day, like this matters to these guys. Like eight, uh, eight, nine games, whatever the home away breakdown. It got goddamn the seventeen game season, messing up the the home away split. But that's eight games guaranteed. No state tax on your game check. That's extremely valuable for a guy like a Tyreek Hill. I don't care if he would have gotten the endorsements in New York. I don't think he, he – let, let's be real here, man. When it comes to these endorsements, like when these guys go, they, they got to go. Like if it's a 30-second commercial, they got to be on set for eight hours, like seven hours. Like yeah, Tyreek Hill, Tyree Hill don't want to be on set for seven hours. He's like, I'll, I'll take that money by just by si sitting at my home. In, in that's my, a great in my point seat. you brought up. Maybe that's yeah. why Baker's been doing so bad because this guy has like 20 all-state commercials, state form, whatever it is out there. So <laughs> – Hit the gym, Baker. What are bro, you doing? Bro, I'm telling you, commercials take a minute. <laughs> they yeah. take a damn minute. Um, but moving on from that, so now let's look at the, the Dolphins aspect of it. Or actually start with the Jets. I don't think this was the right deal for the Jets because, yes, it would have been a great weapon for Zach Wilson. But I think there's a little bit more criticism warranted to them because they are not – like we cannot definitively believe that Tyreek Hill could be the make or break on that team for helping Zach Wilson at the end of the day. I think you can make more of an argument for Miami, and here's why. Because despite what everyone wants to say about Tua, and yes, while Brian Flores was a good coach, and I, I defended him since he got fired. I don't think he should have been fired. But his number one failing since his tenure started was he could not settle the offensive carousel. Tua had three offensive coordinators in two years in Miami. Does that sound weird? It should, because they had two different guys trying to be offensive coordinator this past season. I'm sorry to Brian Flores, but he did not know how to hire an offensive coaching staff. Let's call it like it was because the offensive line was the worst in the game last season. And if there's one thing about Mike McDaniel that we can say, def 
taxes uh, and anyone from the uh, from the Shanahan coaching tree can get an offensive line good and can get the running backs good. Sean McVay came from that tree. Kyle Shanahan, literally. This guy learned at the foot of Kyle Shanahan who learned at the foot from his father, literally and figuratively. Like, this is a guy that knows how to offensive play call who can help get that balance for Tua. While I know he hasn't been great to this point, and I'm not, I'm not going to defend anything to this point for him, how many factors has he had held against him? He came in with a brutal hip injury, which limits your mobility. And Tua showed in his one fully, well, it was close to fully healthy season, that year when they lost to Clemson in the national championship game. He showed a little bit of mobility there. He showed arm strength in the past. Remember when he came into the national championship game as a freshman, he threw like a 45-yard dart to win the game. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're forgetting these things because it's been a while, yes, but because the pros have sapped that away from him because he had terrible offensive coordinating his first couple of years. Chan Blippin Gailey was his offensive coordinator in year one. Who the hell has Chan Gailey as the offensive coordinator in 2020? That Man. should happen. So because of that, <laughs> it's been so it's been so many things that have been held against Tua. Like I think calling him an average quarterback is fair. Because we don't know if in a better situation he would be better at this point. Like, I know Justin Herbert has been amazing, but if you give Justin Herbert three offensive coordinators and this, like, Anthony Lynn was a bad coach, but at least he kept the staff. No, but let's be fair. At least he kept the staff. And now Brendan Staley coming in there, who we talked about the Staley hiring bars, he was a quarterback. He understands how his quarterback can think. Brian Flores cannot understand how a quarterback thinks. He is a strictly defensive guy. So I think it's different that now Tua is going to get an offensive mind there. And look, if he if Tua ends up not being able to do anything with this, then yes, that is on him. But I don't think we can strictly put everything on him so far because the situation has just been less than ideal. Like I think we really need to take that into consideration here. So with Miami doing this, they're giving their guy who they drafted fifth overall mm-hmm. ahead of Herbert. Like this is like, okay, you got Waddle, you got Gasicki, you got Tyree Kill now. This three and amazing receiving options and, and a better running game now. Oh, like, yeah. like this, this is the time. And excuse me. And they signed to Ron Armstead. Who, I mean, technically not his blind side because he's a lefty. But like biggest move of the that's that's amazing. That. So at the end of the day, like it, it now it's set up for Tua. The real yeah. evaluation of Tua starts now. It starts now. If he fails, he fa- if he dies, he dies. So that, that's <laughs> as simple as that. I love that how. Love the evaluation on that. And so, essentially, you got to feel like Tua is almost on the uh, – how DJ was supposed to be oh, the this pressure's year, on. essentially, because it's do or die, like you said. And the question is, uh, we have Jeff from the OTBN, uh, and he's a huge Dolphins fan. Special guest appearance? Is he on? Hates, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, he hates this trade, as a matter of fact. He hates the fact that they ended up paying Tyreek Hill all this money and traded all these assets. We're going five picks now, uh, three from this year, two for next. So what do you think about this trade from the Miami side? Let's say Tyreek Hill, not Tyreek Hill, uh, Tua has an okay year. Doesn't really prove much. Do you think uh, that's enough for Miami to decide they should move on? And if they do decide to move on, did they kind of bite themselves? Uh, on the foot, on the butt, for not only giving the wide receiver all that money, but also trading all those assets for the wide receiver. No. Um. Yeah. I. I don't. I don't think so either. Um. You're an important year for your QB. Like you need to know if he's the guy or not. You've invested in him with the draft capital. Um. You're starting to put 
together a roster around him. Like Jerg said, now you have a, a an offensive genius. Everything is put together to know if this is your guy. Um, I don't know the guaranteed money. I believe I heard seventy two million. I don't know if that's accurate yeah. or not. Seventy two million. Yep. And it's a four year one twenty. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So essentially, I mean, if you really want to, let's just say the whole thing was a disaster. Two was a bomb. The whole thing. They win zero games next to you. Like, like that's how bad it is. You could literally cut him and you owe him twelve million. So it's not. It's not like it's the end of the world. I mean, you did give up the draft capital, but you know, it's also not like they gave up. You know, their first or anything like that. Um, I I think it was necessary for them to make. I actually don't like it more for the Chiefs, but I'm not even going to get into that. Um. But from a Miami standpoint, I, I, I think it was necessary. Um, you have him and Waddle now. You got Chase Edmonds. Like, this is the year for them to really make some noise, and I think they have a really good shot at doing so. I also think the run game is going to be a lot improved, a lot improved. Like, Chase Edmonds is going to be a fantasy stud this year if he gets his carries because one thing about Mike McDaniels and anybody who's in that Shanahan trio, they run that damn ball. They run it good, and yep. they, like their schemes, like off tackle, everything. Um, I think you might even see Tyreek Hill get some. You're gonna see Tyreek get some handoffs. You're gonna see yep. Waddle get some handoffs. It's gonna be very interesting. Um, and you know, you, I feel like they honestly had to make that deal. Like you, you're in year three. You've seen what Herbert's done. You, you've, you've, you've got to make that trade. You got to get him weapons, and you got to. Really find out if this is your guy or not, because he's got two years left. Um, well, actually, this is his last year before they decide to pick up the fifth year yeah. option. Correct? Yeah. You got to yeah. know. You got to know. You're yeah. all in. Oh. You got to know this year. Part of me feels like they already know the quarterback they got because uh, they ended up signing Teddy Bridgewater as Teddy Two Gloves as the backup. So part of me feels like if he doesn't figure this out in like six, seven, eight weeks, and they're still in the hunt for it. You're going to see Tua end up getting benched because, like you said, man, what with this trade, before they had decent pieces, it was a good team. But with this trade now, their offense is just – it's insane. You got Tyreek Hill, Waddle. You got Devontae Parker as your number three. He was drafted by Miami to be their number one. And for, like, the six games he's ever, he's healthy every year, he is a <laughs> receiver. It's just unfortunate he's not that healthy. But you got gadget players like Cedric Wilson, Preston Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert got signed. Miles Gaskins is still on the team. Even their fourth string running back, uh, Salvon Ahmed, that guy was putting up uh, some stats last year. So there's a lot of pieces and tools here where they could make a serious run for the division. Yes, you still got the Bills up there, but I, why can't they be competitive with them? You know, why not get a wild card? Because aside, if Two is holding you back. You might have to make that call. And it looks like this year's decision, don't be – all I'm saying is they shouldn't be afraid to make that decision early if it's obvious that Tua isn't the guy. There's, It's a new regime, essentially. It's not a new GM, but it's a new coach. It, well, he has no ties to Tua. What does he care? You know? Yep. Uh, any one, last thoughts we have on this, guys? One thing I want to say. Um, it actually doesn't have to do – with the Chiefs or the Dolphins, actually. But um, public service announcement to the Bills. Josh Allen, this is your window, bro. You better go get one. You better go get one. This is your shot. Like, I I don't want – like, you can't – I don't want to hear you can't beat the Chiefs next year. You better go and beat them this year, and you better go to that. Like, this is really your shot. So, 
go out and ball out this year because this this is your window, man. Well, it's not only did the Chiefs get bad, but you know Miami doesn't have a QB, and if they do find a QB, it's a wrap for them. You know, it's this is it, man. This is it, and Joe like. Look at Joey B. The stats show he might never end up going to a Super Bowl again. And if he does, chances are he's not going to win it. That's just how the stats are. I'm not the one that makes them up. Don't yell at me. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> Aside from uh, that, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, so my, my last two points about this as to why it's worth it. I, I love Jeff. You know, I, I love the pod father himself. But I, I've disagreed with him from time to time, especially when it comes to skill position, guys. Here's why I think this was ultimately good for two reasons. Number one, like uh, uh, Brinkett pointed out. Tua has two years left on a rookie contract. We have seen the trend now in this league for the last decade that you can spend on other positions when it comes to having a quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm -hmm. If you know Tua is not the guy, you know what you can do? You can trade up for the next guy because you want to know why? Because the the Dolphins, even with this deal, they still have other draft picks in future drafts where they can make a move for another quarterback. Next year where they can make a move for another quarterback. So the fact that we're ignoring that in what is supposed to be a deeper quarterback class than this year's, it, to me, is mind-boggling first. And second, and this is my thing, and I don't understand why we keep ignoring this, but are we really going to ignore the fact that wide receivers have been helping quarterbacks look a hell of a lot better for the last half decade in this league? Like, no, seriously, look at it team by team. And I'm not just talking about older quarterbacks. Look at uh, Bars. I'm sorry to do this, but I just, this is just the first mention. Odell Beckham Jr., when he was on the field, Eli Manning's touchdown to interception ratio was better. His completion percentage was better. His yards per attempt was better. Everything was better. First off, Michael Thomas, when he with him on the Saints, Drew Brees, when did we really start to look at Drew Brees' arm as being a problem? His last year, right? What was the problem with the Saints his last year in the league? Oh, yeah, Michael Thomas didn't play the whole damn season. The, Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger, his arm not being as good. When did we really – What we knew it was shot. But when did everyone else know it was shot? Oh, when Antonio Brown left. He also went mental. But when his talent left that team. Josh Allen was really good this season still, right? But he didn't look as great as the year before. Hmm. A to B. What, oh, Stephon Diggs wasn't 100% the entire season. Like, can we stop disrespecting wide receivers – and saying that they mean nothing to your team if your quarterback isn't there. If you have a Patrick Mahomes, if you have an Aaron Rodgers, if you have a Josh Allen, then yes, you don't pay a wide receiver $28 million. You don't pay a wide receiver $30 million. I, I'm for that. Where is the Patrick Mahomes on the Miami Dolphins? Where is the Aaron Rodgers on the Miami Dolphins? Like, he's not there. Mm -hmm. So you have to pay the other positions to make your quarterback better. You, that's what you have to do. And again, and I don't understand this. Why are we assuming the quarterback needs to be the guy? Peyton Manning threw 17 interceptions his last season as a, essentially a corpse of a quarterback, and that team won. That's a great point. Like the, the 49ers made it to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo and were a half quarter away from winning it great with point. him. Yep. Like yep. the when the uh, the Buccaneers made it to the Super Bowl, they won that Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game. Brady threw three picks. Like, the, yes, it's Tom Brady, but he threw three interceptions in the NFC Championship game. Why are we ignoring how defense and receiving and everything else, if it's there, it's okay if your quarterback isn't the guy. And if your quarterback yeah, is the guy, then obviously you don't do this. Like, I don't understand why we always need to make it this or that, A or B, when it can be both, to where it's not for other teams, this was not ideal. This is why Kansas City made this deal, because they can't afford him. But Miami can because they need this for their quarterback 
who they can replace with another rookie quarterback. And then, like Ant said, you re- you reset the timeline because then you have two years of him being cheap. Now you have another quarterback coming in for four years of being cheap. So if you end up doing that, you have five to six years. Tyreek's contracts four. Like, yeah. Co- co- like I, I don't I don't see how we don't want to look at everything at all angles. We only want to view it the old school way of if you're not a quarterback, if you're not a left tackle, if you're not the best pass rusher, and if you're not a top tier corner, you're not allowed to get paid. I don't understand that logic. I really don't understand that logic. Other it's guys great. get paid. This is the gotta, way all sports go now. In hockey, in hockey, bottom six guys get $4 million a year. Do I like it? No. Would I do it? No. But does it happen now? Damn right it happens. This is the way sports progress. If you don't want, if you don't like it, stop watching because this, this is how everything evolves. So yeah, that's, you're not that's wrong. You're not wrong. So uh, that's last thoughts. Beautiful way to just wrap that up with this crazy week. A nice little jerk rant. We love a jerk rant. Iceman, you know, he gets hot sometimes and that's it. Uh, Brizzy, any last words you might want to say for the people? Go Peacocks, baby. <laughs> hey, oh, no better way to end it. That's St. Peter's tonight. Let's go Peacocks. Shout out New Jersey. Thank you, fellas, for joining the show as always. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. There's going to be more insanity. Just tune in whenever we can. Things are going to change up. Things are going to change up. You guys take care now, all right?